In today's show, we're looking at dynasty leagues, how to set them up, what settings you use, how to actually structure something that works and is fun and has some uh, long-term longevity. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. So get questions about Dynasty Leagues quite a bit. So I thought what we do today is talk about Dynasty Leagues, talk about settings in Dynasty Leagues, talk about how you set them up, also chat to uh, someone for today's show, which we'll get to in a second, about where to find Dynasty Leagues and how uh, how they best run things. And we'll talk to uh, talk to Brendan in a moment or two. But basically, that's what it is. Setups, settings, what you need to do to make, what things you need to be aware of, what you need to do to make a league successful. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. All right, so now let's do what we need to do and talk Dynasty Basketball. And I am joined by someone you may have seen on Twitter. You may not have seen him on Twitter, but that's fine because you're going to know who he is now. Brendan Woodward is here with me uh, on Twitter at Hidden Upside. Brendan uh, helps. How would you describe what you do for Fantasy Basketball uh, International? Brendan, well, first of all, tell us what Fantasy Basketball International is and then tell tell us a bit about it. You have the floor. Go ahead. All right, so um, Fantasy Basketball International is a, a group established by me and uh, my partner, Matt. Um, we were both... Just um, but before you go any further, if you, you may know Matt as well, Matt Lawson, who is on Twitter at Dynasty, NBA Dynasty uh, ADP. So yeah. we're, we're going to talk about his some stuff on tomorrow's show as well, his uh, Dynasty mock drafts and ADPs, but you may have seen him over there uh, as well. Yeah, so Matt is a prolific um, commissioner. Um, he had established uh, numerous dynasty leagues and he's also pioneered some interesting um, draft-only dynasty formats, um, whereas I was doing a lot of um, regular leagues, I guess, the standard formats, and then also kind of came up with these draft-only, very intricate draft-only concepts, not dissimilar to what you do or you did in the past, um, Josh. Um, so we both had reasonably large groups and I had corralled my group um, onto Slack um, just to get everybody in the same space. And then I uh, encouraged Matt to do the same thing and join me um, over there, which, which he did. And then we kind of constructed, a, I guess, a bit of a super group. Um, we, that, we did that for a year or two and um, uh, it just grew um, in popularity, uh, built a bit of a name for ourselves, I think, just being fair and um you know, do, making sure that we pay everybody out and um, not much, um, I guess, uh, argument or grey areas in terms of the rules and so on. And it's just kind of snowballed from there. And, um, you know, last season we had over a 1,000 um, members um, spread across oh, almost or oh, just over 100 different leagues. 
Yeah, so obviously that that's a huge amount of leagues. A hundred leagues, and yeah, a lot of management required there. Some of them are draft only, which you don't do a huge amount of stuff with. Um, and yeah, I'm gonna we're gonna put a link here in the the show notes if you're listening on audio or on the YouTube description for where you can find the fantasy basketball international uh, setup. Because um, there are always people who ask me, Brendan, you where where can I join a dynasty league? How do I join a dynasty league? And these are the best in the business and your know, high reputation leagues with some really high level fantasy basketball players. Um, right around the world so you guys are taking i think i saw last week that you needed some or you had some openings in dynasty leagues have you got that still going are you starting new ones coming up this year yeah so um it's around this time of year we're kind of getting the pulse on who's coming back so whilst you know 90 percent of the managers come back year after year you've always got a little bit of attrition um, so right now we're recruiting for um, uh, fantasy managers to take over some of the teams that have, where the owners have gone AWOL. Now, some of these teams are really good. So, um, you know, if you are interested in taking over one of those teams, um, definitely jump into our server because we're looking for those managers right now. Once we've got all the teams filled, that's when we'll um, be putting down a few new league startups. Yeah, that's that's generally the way that you do that sort of stuff. So, you know, taking over new teams, how, how do you do that? We're going to get into setting up leagues, but when you talk about taking over teams, because there's a couple of ways you can prioritize that. And this is something that when you are starting a dynasty league, you need to have an idea of how you're going to do this. You can either say, well, this team's, you know, someone's left, two teams have left. So you take over team A, you take over team B. Some people will say, well, we've got to do a dispersion draft. So we've got to have all those players and they go into a pool and then those two teams have a mini snake draft and they get to pick the available players. Some people will do it like almost a real life expansion where you've got that scenario, but you can take maybe one or two players off some existing teams or you get priority draft picks or whatever it is coming in as a, as a new manager or you get a discount on your first season of Jews. So how, how do you guys run that normally in terms of taking over from orphan teams? Yes, great question. Um, so it depends on how many orphan teams in that specific league. So if there's just one team, um, it's we probably just pop it into the, the league openings channel and someone will jump on it. But um, to your earlier point, if it's a 30-team league and there's four or five teams um, that are orphaned, you're going to find that the strength of those relative orphan teams are, are quite different. So that's when we do the dispersal draft. So all the players from those, let's say, five teams – they go into a pool, you do like a mini lottery, and then the five new managers are doing a mini snake draft in order to populate their teams with players. And we find that's the, the fairest way to do those uh, or rebalance those leagues with new managers. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a second, but before we go any further, I do have to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. And we're going to go through the Michelob Ultra moment. Now, we're not talking about specific players here. So what can what's uh I see you're wearing a uh, a sixes sixes hoodie there, Brendan. What's your moment of the year for the sixes? I'm sure it's not the uh, sure it's not game seven, but what's your uh, what's your moment of the year for the sixes? Um, look, it's probably always Ben Simmons hitting a three. So he's from um, Melbourne, like like you and I are, and um, yeah, I think he grew up even closer to where I live than where you live. So I've always been secretly rooting for him to you know, uh, take that next step up. And it seems that, you know, shooting is um, the way that he's going to do that. So it's always heartening to see him taking a three to start with and then actually making it even better. 
Sixers fans would get a ton of joy, a ton of happiness if Simmons did start becoming an outside shooter, start you know, taking some of those shots. But we don't know where that's going to happen. But we, we have enjoyment in hoping for it. And it's only worth it if you enjoy it. With only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, joy creates success. Your Michelob Ultra moment of the year is Ben Simmons taking a three. But enjoyment isn't the end game. It is the whole game. Michelob Ultra moment. Ben Simmons, let's go. All right, now let's talk dynasty leagues. Let's talk about setting them up. Because the number one thing that no matter what you do, in your league, Brendan, and I think you'll agree with me with this, is you've got to have rules. You've got to have a document of rules. There's got to be, you know, situations. Most situations need to be detailed. Now, there'll be weird things that happen during the year um, and during a lifetime of a league that might need to be added or amended, but you have to have processes for amendments written into those original rules. So when you're creating the rules, probably the number one thing you've got to put in those rules is how do I amend the rules? Like, is it commissioner only? Is it a three-man group that decides the new rule? Is it majority rule? Is it unanimous votes? Whatever it is, you've got to have those amendment clauses put into the rules because then that enables you to add extra things in as you go along. Yeah, so um, you're absolutely right in the sense that no matter how watertight you make your rules, always something's going to come out out of left field and um, challenge the, the rule set that you've had. So... 100% 100% agree that it's really important to have a, a document um, that's circulated to all the league members, publicly available um, and irrefutable. Um, personally, with uh, my leagues and with our leagues, it's the commissioners say so. So whatever, if we want to amend the rules, we, uh, we can, and it just comes down to what the commissioner says. Um, we're lucky enough to have a large level of trust within our community. So the, the whole group kind of understands that Matt and I are, making the right decisions for for the whole community and the fairest decisions. So we've got that track record. So I think it works for us. Um, I find that introducing more variables like um, allowing, um, let's say, specific members of the, um, the league to have more of a say than others, it's just a recipe for disaster. So uh, my view would be that it's either just the commissioner or you could have every single person in the league having the same um, I guess, voting power. And then you would just have to establish, you know, at what level, um, you know, a league uh, rule change can go through. Is it a two-thirds majority or 51% majority? But in our leagues, it's it's literally the commissioner uh, makes the rules. Yeah, I, I agree with that. If you have a trusted commissioner like you guys are at, at, over at FBI, I think that's the best way to do it because you are doing things you got that that track record, you know, there's you know, thousand members, a hundred plus leagues. Like, you know, you, you've got that reputation. And yeah, as I would say when I used to run leagues, that you know, that's you've got your reputation there. So you're not going to do something shifted to win an extra hundred bucks when you're trying to do something big and longer term over the course of things. You're not doing things to swing swindle thing for one person or anything. Uh, along those lines, and I think that is important to have those rules. So when we're talking about rules, like we're talking about actually, you know what? Let's let's do this first, Brennan. When people talk about a dynasty league, because sometimes there is terminology confusion. What is it? What is a dynasty league? Yeah, so a dynasty league is when you keep, in my view, it's when you keep all of your players from year to year, every single one of them. Um, the rookies um, or players that aren't in the league, they're um, uh, drafted off to the, the participating teams on, a, on an annual basis. Um, and that is, you can kind of um, put that against what is called a keeper league where you're keeping a percentage of your roster. So um, let's say we're talking about 15-man rosters. A dynasty league, you would keep your full 15-man roster and then you would be drafting the rookies next year. Whereas a keeper league, you might only keep 10 of the 
players from your 15 and then five of those um, players that you don't want anymore, they go back into the pool and typically they're included in the draft pool along with the rookies from the, the following year. So do you run any keeper leagues or do you just do dynasty leagues? It's mostly dynasty, um, although so there's a bit of a, I guess there's a bit of a grey area in between keeper and dynasty in the sense that some of our dynasty leagues are very deep. You know, there might be 20 players or something like that. And we might have a limit of 18. You know, you keep 18 players and two of them go back into the pool. Okay. Um, so I would say that all our leagues are dynasty, but with some of them, you are forced to just cut those last one or two people from the end of your roster. And often you need to do that in a dynasty league anyway to oh, make room to. for the coming through. Yeah, absolutely. Like you, you can say I'll keep all 20 guys, but then you have two rookie draft picks, so two guys need to go anyway. So it, it ends up being that. But I think that's one of the first things you've got to decide. Am I doing a dynasty league where everyone comes – yeah, it comes through every year and we'll talk about um, you know, restrictions on that. Uh, or is it a keeper league where I keep three players or I keep five players or, or anything like that? And sometimes a keeper league can be just like a, a bit of an easier way to step into longer term leagues. But I also, I'm, I'm with you. I much prefer a dynasty to a keeper format because in the end, I've got three keepers. So it just turns into a regular draft, but you know, three guys and there's no long-term plan. It's not like I'm going to keep this guy, say Darius Garland, I'll use an example. I wouldn't, you wouldn't have kept him last year in a three keeper draft because in five years, maybe he becomes a top 40 player. Like you get rid of him and then he gets redrafted, then he gets redrafted again, then he gets redrafted and eventually... So all you do is just go, well, I'm going to keep my top three players and that's it. Like Because they, they stay relatively static for three or four years at a time, those top 20, top 25 sort of guys. And there's less strategy involved in that. So you're getting a dynasty means you've got to have some long-term planning and look to what happens years in advance and have a, you know, a, a plan with how your team looks one thing that's not rules related, I'll ask you quickly, Brent. When you're viewing a dynasty team or a dynasty league, I tend to look in three to four year increments. So, look, I, I let's plan my team for this time. Like, you're trying to say, well, my team's going to be great in eight years. It's really tough to, in my opinion, it's really tough to organize. So, when I'm looking at values of players, I'm tending to look in a three to four year window. Is that how you view it? Yeah, well, personally, I've got so many leagues, personal leagues that I'm in. I've got a few different strategies that I that I go with, but I guess the general rules for me are: I see how the the initial draft is panning out, and if I'm seeing like really strong value um, on an older player, so like if we rewind, say two years, LeBron James could have been going, you know, fifteenth or twentieth um, in a dynasty league startup. Um, and if I'm grabbing him at spot 20, I think that's really good value. Then that kind of sets the tone for the way I'm going to do the rest of my draft. So um, I'm going to probably draft the wily old veterans the whole way through the draft um, and try and get that extra value and win the first couple of seasons in the league and then go into a rebuild. Um, later, whereas um, you know, if you're lucky enough to get pick one or in that top top ten picks, and you're getting someone like a Luca or a Trey, you might actually craft the rest of your team and take some of the younger, more um, up and coming guys a bit earlier in the draft. So it really depends on uh, how that initial draft unfolds. But um, back to your point around planning for eight years in the future, that's definitely a not a mistake, but it's something that a lot of new managers certainly do. They get a little bit carried away with all the rookies and um, funnily enough, enough, not really the second year players. It's always, you know, the mystery box that people don't uh, know what they're going to be. They seem to have more allure. Um, but you'll notice that, um, yeah, newer managers are going to be drafting all the young up and coming sexy names 
um, and they're planning to win the league in you know five to ten years' time. Um, but I, I don't see any value in that. I think yeah, you're looking as you say, kind of to win immediately or three three years down the track. Nothing really beyond that. Yeah, I agree. Like making those moves, yeah, it happens all the time. The people will go super hard on like, oh, this guy was the 17th pick in the 2021 draft. So I'm going to take him at 80. Like the chances of him coming anywhere close to that are so remote. But people will often stack up on those guys and go, oh, just wait, just wait. And then it, it never happens. So it, it is a tough one to do. Now, in terms of you know, more setup stuff, it doesn't really matter, Brendan, what, if you're doing a points league, a category league, head-to-head league, a roto league, whatever it is, as long as you have a, you know, you know what the league is, you have to know your settings and, and you put it into your league constitution. I've heard of some people saying, well, we started a points dynasty league and now we're changing to a category league. That sort of stuff is really tough to to do. Do you have something written into your rules where you say, well, if there's any major change or even any rule change, there's got to be a grace period on, on some of these things? Um, yeah, it's, um, it's not written into the rules, but if, and in fact, I have to say that we rarely change the rules ever. We, we rarely change like a, such a dramatic shift. Like you just mentioned. Oh, I wouldn't recommend, from, yeah, I wouldn't recommend yeah, doing that, but yeah, some people do. Yeah. Yeah. Some people do definitely do that, but no, nah, not for us. So, um, but to your point, if there's any rule update, it's not taken effect immediately, you know, after that conversation has been had, it's coming in the following year or even more preferably the year after that to give managers time to adjust. And that's because, you know, when you're starting up a dynasty league, you're setting parameters for the league managers to make decisions upon. And if you go, you know, changing those parameters um, without giving that notice period, the more diligent managers who have, you know, drafted well, they're the ones that are going to get cooked in that scenario. And it's the ones that are whinging who probably made a few missteps in the draft they're the ones who are likely to benefit. And that's not really the fairest way to go about things. So what you're saying is, Brendan, you don't want any sort of Steve Hawking-like uh, commissioners in here just changing the rules uh, willy-nilly. And that that uh, that reference will go to about 5% of the audience in here. But shout out to, uh, to uh, everyone who understands that one. Anyway, let's talk about more stuff that we're going to do. Now, roster size. Because people often go, well, I've got a dynasty league. It's a 12-man uh, league and I've got 13 players, just like a regular redraft league. Um I don't know what the settings of your leagues are, but to me, having something like that where you have no ability to actually plan for the future really defeats the purpose of having a dynasty league because, you know, long-term speculation on young players, you either have to, and and to me, it creates, um, I don't know, in, in, not instability, but a lot, a big gap between the best and the worst because some people are like, well, I'm not competing now. Therefore, eight of my roster players are all guys who are not going to compete this year because you don't have the ability to sit guys and stash guys in a situation like that. So in general, I believe you should be going to an extended roster. Is that the way you view it? Do you have a minimum like players rostered that you look to in dynasty leagues? Yeah. So we, we actually have a a really broad range of different dynasties. You won't be surprised to hear. Um, The majority of them have super deep rosters. Matt, um, my partner is really partial to the, to the very deep roster, um, approach to things and very much for the reasons that you outlined the point of a lot of those leagues is to identify those young and upcoming talents and if you can't hold on to them from year to year you know you can give yourself a big pat on the back uh, for for drafting some some fantastic you know um, low-level draft picks like Chris Middleton that end up you know working out down the track but if you don't have a deep roster and the ability to hang on to those players uh, it kind of takes that aspect uh, away from the game um, for my, the leagues that I personally set up, it really depends on how many teams are in the league. So 
if we're talking about a 12-team league, it's going to have a super deep roster, 20, 25 um, player deep. But if it's a 30-team league, um, it's going to be a bit more shallow. So probably um, around that 10 to 12 player mark, um, similar, more similar to what an NBA um, roster would look like. Um, so, yeah, it depends on the on the league size first and foremost. But if we had to split hairs, we're definitely always erring on the side of giving um, the team managers the ability to stash more players and hold on to them for longer. I think in general, you want however many teams you've got, you want minimum 250 players on a roster. So if you've got a 20-team league, then you know you have however many that, that equates to. Yeah, whatever it is, you want to... Yeah, it's like 13 or 14. Your minimum, 250 players on a roster, whereas the standard league's 156. I think you want minimum, and you won't even say minimum 300. There's like 430 players or so in the NBA. I think there's 500 play, 530 players played an NBA game this year. So you, I, maybe, maybe even push that to 300. You want minimum 300 roster. So if it's a 30-team league, your minimum 10-man roster. And that takes me into my next point, is that we know our standard redraft format, 13 players, 10 active, three on the bench. That's a standard split. In a dynasty league, Again, because we are looking more at future development and having that extra roster. There's no point having a 20-man roster, Brendan, and having 16 active players with four bench. You want to be really want to be splitting that active and bench out so that you've got, say, 10 starters and 10 bench or 11 and 9 or whatever it is. But you want to give yourself more ability to have guys that don't actually play for you. Because again, if you have that, everyone has to play. The players with teams that have tons of injuries, the teams that have tons of young guys, they're going to be so uncompetitive that it just means that you've got you know, four teams like competing for the for the championship and everyone else is doing nothing and in asset accumulation mode, mode. And then that leads to issues with trades and lopsided trades and tanking and all this sort of nonsense going on. So you, to me, you absolutely need that deep roster, but you need to make that active versus bench split. Yeah, I think as close to 50-50 in a lot of these cases as you can. Or do you have another sort of number that you look at there? Um, we're not doing it on a 50-50 um, type scenario, but... I don't. I can't think of a single league where there's um, a dynasty league where there's more starters than bench players for yep. all the reasons that you just outlined. Um, because what it would devolve into is who can just get the most stats, which kind of is just like a points league um, at the end of the day that takes a lot of the skill out of it. Um, you're not stacking particular categories and so on. So um, yeah, if you've got say a 20 man roster and you've got 15 starters. It's really going to be the person that's getting the most games out of those 15 starters that's going to be doing well. And you're not going to be rewarding um, the teams that have a nice balance between kind of vets and up and coming guys. Um, so, yeah, you want to reward aspects. Um, you want to set up your leagues in such a way that it rewards the most diligent and thoughtful managers. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all of the parts that you need. Why would you endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So... Save your time, save your money, and use Rock Auto when you're looking for parts for your car. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and the prices at Rock Auto are always reliably low for every customer. Everything you need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go and explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for your auto parts needs. So, rockauto.com, go there right now and see all of the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, let's uh, go on to the next part of this. Now, 
in terms of some leagues will have situations going where you have contracts for players. This is probably going you know, in, into more in-depth leagues, but salaries where you can do real-life NBA salaries with you know, a salary cap. Um, you can do salaries based on the price that they were bid on in the initial auction draft and have things like inflation tied in. So when you're working it out, like you've got to work out, Brendan, if you've got a dynasty league, is it, you know, we've already stated it, it's keep everyone. But is it just keep everyone with no penalty? Is it keep players with a cost of uh, inflation on their contract? Is it keep players with a, a set amount of time for each guy and you can nominate that time? Like all these things need to be decided when you set up the rules. Is it just everyone stays forever or is there things that you need to consider like an NBA GM, contract, salary cap, contract length, um, all that sort of stuff and how they all fit in? Do you run a bit of a mix between those two sort of dynasty formats? Yeah, I, I would add one more. Yeah, I, we run a mix of those formats. So you've either got the ones without any type of salary whatsoever and it's just you're keeping who you're keeping um, every single year. The other one is um, salaries tied to real NBA salaries. Um, so you would have a salary cap. It's typically set at the luxury tax line, so about $130 million. Um, sometimes it can be a little bit less or a little bit more. Um, you have a specific amount of slots that you need to fill up on your roster, let's call it 12, and then you need to fit in players based on their actual salary um, into your roster. And you don't really need to be too worried by that as a new manager. All of the salary information is loaded into Fantrax, um, which is an important point because it allows you to kind of more easily keep track of those things. It'll tell you if you're over your salary limit and so on. Um, so that's one way of doing it. And then, as you were saying before, another way of doing it is if you have an auction to um, start off your league, you can set a salary cap, let's call it $100. Um, you give everybody $100 um, to bid with at the auction, and then um, you just let the auction um, run wild. And at the end of the auction, whatever that particular player um has been um, not purchased for, but the bid, the winning bid for that particular player becomes their salary. And then, as you were saying, you can tie in a bit of inflation there. So let's say I drafted Giannis um, with a $10 bid. His salary is $10. And then we could, say, build in 10% inflation on that contract each year. So the following year is 11. The next year after that is $12.10. Um, the idea of that is, you know, if you're drafting kind of uh, very good players, you want those salaries to be going up slowly over time to uh, make it so it's more difficult to fit the uh, other players um, around them um, in your team. And what that actually um, results in is a lot more turnover um, in terms of um, the players that are on rosters and the players that are on um, uh, on, the, on the waiver wire or the um, uh, on, in free agency. Um, the reason that that's important, and it kind of ties back to what we were talking before about keeper leagues um, as well, is the more turnover you can um, generate, the more moves that are happening, the more fresh players that are going into free agency on the waiver wire, it helps to keep the league members engaged. Sometimes the danger with a really um, deep dynasty league um, where you don't have any of those mechanics set up that um, result in roster churn is it can get a bit disengaging for some people because there's not that much action. 
they're basically just going in, setting their lineups every day or every week or whatever it is. And um, you don't have those other elements um, of the league to kind of draw you back to the homepage, look at the transactions that are happening, um, start to discuss trades with other managers and all those other aspects of fantasy that we know and love. So we find that, um, look, we've tried all sorts of different um, league constructs, but you really want that balance between being able to keep the same kind of core group of players um, from year to year, but also a league that engenders some turnover to keep things interesting and keep the rosters shifting around. That that's all, yeah, one hundred percent true. Like that's what you need to do in those sort of scenarios. Versus, like you, you can have your, your straight dynasty, which just keep everyone, and it does really limit some of the stuff that you do. But having values on players, like, and the thing we need to work out with this as well is that you can have your initial auction draft, and let's say, for example, Emmanuel quickly last year startup draft, and he would have been picked for a dollar in an auction draft. Right, and that's that's what you would have got him for. But let's say you think now he's or Sadiq Bay maybe went for a dollar, right? But what if in four years' time, these guys develop into top 30 players? They probably don't, but what if they do? Are they still worth $1? Like that's, That becomes a ridiculous advantage, and some teams can become super stacked in that scenario where they become unbeatable, and you lose the, you lose the competitiveness and the interest in the league that way. So while it's all well and good to take that little guy that at the end, and then they turn into a from a $1 player into a $30 player, you've got to have um, inflation, You've got to have an ending to those initial contracts as well. And then you've also got to have a scenario set up, Brendan, where that when you do bring the rookies in, so the 2021 rookies, like how do they come in? Because you probably don't have a, an, an auction draft. That's usually done as a snake situation based on standing. So you, what I would normally do and I would set up one is that those players coming in in a rookie draft, there's a rookie scale structure like the NBA. So the, the number one pick comes in and he is on $16. And that contract goes up from 16 to 17, 60 and 10% up every year for four years. Yeah. And then there becomes, you have restricted free agent bidding processes or they go out there and, and their salary can rise from there versus um, you know that guy that comes in at $1 and stays at $1 forever. You've got to have ends to these salaries and you've got to have inflation. And do you inflate the salary cap as well or do you keep it static? It's In most of our leagues, it's tied to the actual NBA salary cap. So the, the actual NBA salary cap typically does have inflation. With um, this last 12-month COVID period, we might not have much inflation in terms of the salary cap next year, but we just mirror exactly um, where we can what is going on in the real NBA um, and tie it to that as much as possible. And that actually also goes for the lottery odds as well, which is a topic I think we might be bringing yep. up shortly. We are going to get to that in a second. But say, look, you do one, like you can have your real salary leagues and yes, you just model the NBA. But like you've got, say it's an auction one where it's $100 and your team salary cap is $100. Do you do you change that? Do you move that from 100? Like if your player salary go up 10%, what I would generally do is move my team salary up 5% or I would keep it static for three years. Then it gets a 10% bump in three years time. Just to put that extra squeeze on people because then you have to make that decision. Is this guy worth it for this amount? Then does he go into free agency? Does he get traded at the deadline because I can't afford him next year? All that sort of thing goes into it versus that $1 player who then sits at $1 and and nothing changes. You've got to have movement in salaries and you've got to have, I think, some sort of movement in salary caps as we uh, as, as, as you move forward. But you bring up a, a point here as we're getting towards the end of this. And there's so many th- different things you can do. But again, Brendan, over at FBI, there's so many leagues you can peruse and join and see all the different formats. But tanking is a big issue. 
uh, in dynasty leagues because you, know, you might have 30 teams, you might have 20 teams, whatever. But there are teams that are going to win now and teams that are going to plan for the future. So there are multiple things that you can put into your initial rules. And I, I highly suggest that you do this. And I've started leagues where I didn't do this and I had to you know, learn shit quickly. I've got to adjust this and put it right into the constitution for the, for the next season, but how to prevent tanking. So what are your ways in your leagues of not, not sorry, let me rephrase that, not preventing tanking, but putting limits on what teams can do so that the competitive balance and the fun factor of the league just doesn't disappear. Yeah, so first thing is that we um, follow the NBA draft um, odds, um, like I mentioned, and that is mostly because you want to smooth out the chances of getting the top picks down the bottom end of the scale. So just because you don't set a lineup the whole year doesn't guarantee you pick number one. You could actually drop quite significantly down um, the list and maybe end up with a pick eight or a pick 10 um, if you were to do that. But... uh, we have found, I mean, even in our really kind of professional leagues with the with the really top managers, that tanking is still a factor. Um, so we have instituted a rule to say that you must set your lineups each day, for example. Um, so and look, what's it's the okay. penalty? What's the penalty if you don't? Because that that can be like in the in the NBA, you can have tanking rules, and you can say, well, you've got to sell tickets, and you've got to develop players. That doesn't apply to fantasy basketball. So you can just you can sit guys in and out of your, of your lineup. It doesn't matter about development. You don't have to sell tickets. Like what? So if they don't set a lineup properly, like how do you penalise them? Uh, we penalise them by sending them a private message and asking them to do it usually, and um, that resolves ninety percent of the cases. And then if it if that doesn't work what you'll find is in the league chat, some of the managers might call it out. Um, and that resolves like most of the other cases. But ultimately, if we're finding that that's happening and it's not being responded to when we ask a, the, the manager not to happen, um, I mean, they could be out of the league the following season. Yeah. Uh, it's a, one other thing you can do with that as well is that I've you know, toyed with in the past is that if they don't, if they, you know, they break these rules, whatever the rules are that you have in place that, you know, you, you're doing this so you can get lottery odds. Well, each day you don't set a lineup, you know, half a percent goes off your odds. Like it, it just goes. Like you don't have 25% anymore. You're at 24 and a half. And you keep doing it and your odds and odds and odds for pick one go down. And I think that gets would get them pretty uh, swiftly back into line in that scenario because the reason they're doing it is to get a better draft pick. And if you reduce the chance of them getting a better draft pick, then they probably won't do that anymore. Yeah, well, look, I have to say that we actually haven't got to that point where we've had to punish anybody um, for doing it. So I'm glad that you brought that up because that is a quite an elegant way of doling out that punishment. But what I find is that, you know, you're more um, newer to fantasy managers. They're dipping their toes in the water in the free leagues or the very low buy-in leagues where they're not dynasty leagues and that um, tanking for, for lottery position isn't really an issue. And it's typically the more experienced you get as a dynasty participant or, sorry, a fantasy participant that's when you start to gravitate towards the more intricate dynasty league. So by the time most uh, of our members have arrived in that dynasty space, they're quite well-rounded in terms of fantasy managers by that time. So we don't see a lot of that type of behaviour in our leagues. One last thing that I would often do as well to help curb, um, and it's it's a problem again with dynasty leagues. So someone can come in, they can go, well, I'm going to win this league for two years. And I'm going to trade all of my young guys. I'm going to trade all of my draft picks and sell out and win now. And then they go, oh, my team's shit. And then they just boot. And then your team, 
new replacement manager comes in and goes, why don't I have a first-round draft pick for four years? Why don't I have any young players on this team? Like, what, what's happened? So the way that I would try and prevent that is introduce the NBA Stepien rule in that you can't trade first-round picks. You have to have a first-round pick in every second year. So you can't say I'm trading all of my first-round picks into future years. And that's another thing you've got to write down as well, Britton, is how many years in the future can you trade your draft picks? Because that's something that, you know, do you go five years, four years, three years, whatever it is. But we have, we would have a step-in rule where you can't trade first-round picks in multiple seasons in a row. So you do have to hold on to those assets. In case you leave the league, in case you, you know, try and sell out everything for now, you can't, you've got to have that protection in for a new manager who comes in. Yeah, th- this is a m- much bigger problem Um in our leagues than, uh, than the last topic that we spoke about. Um, yeah, managers coming in, taking that approach where they take all the vets in season one and two, they try and take out the pot for the first um, one or two seasons, trade off all their draft picks, as you said, um, and then just leave. So yeah, to your point, we got step in in place in every single dynasty league. I think you without, have to. Without fail. And then the other thing that we do is we when we start up a league, we take payment for two seasons. Yep. So yeah, if it's a $50 league, it's a hundred bucks up front and that pays for the season that you're in now and also the following season. But when the following season rolls around, you're paying your extra 50 bucks. So you're always 50 bucks in advance. And then if you do bounce, uh, which some managers do do, the incoming manager get, is getting their first season for free. So that goes for a lot of the dynasty leagues where we have openings at the moment. Um, if one of our your listeners is going to come in and join one of those. That first season for them is going to be free, but they would still need to pay their fifty dollars for the for the following league. And having that outlay into the future, it does make people think twice about taking that approach. But having said that, it's still a, an effective strategy um, to to be able to do that. So we do see lots of managers that are, for example, you know, they might we usually have five years of draft pick trading. Yeah, that sounds about um, right. And they might trade their 21, 23, 25 picks um, in order to level up their roster and win. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to leave the league, um, you know, after they've won. So um, it's still an effective strategy. um, But those two things that we talked about, the step-in rule and paying for the leagues in advance, they really put a massive, um, uh, you know, they put the brakes on people kind of taking the piss. Yeah, you have to have these rules in place. Step in, you've got to have some sort of draft lottery. You've got to have all these sort of things written down into your league constitution outside of the basic. Is it a category league? Is it a points league? What's the scoring? What's the roster size? All that stuff's fine, but you've got to have these other things. How is a rookie draft handled? What happens to free agents? Do they just get picked up at the end of the season or is there a separate free agent draft? Do you combine the rookies and the free agents into one draft, which is something I actually hate, but you know, some people will do that. Yeah, How do you handle all that stuff? How do you handle salaries and contracts and inflation and all, all that sort of stuff needs to be written down and you'll see things come up at, at times that you might have missed and that's how you have that rule in there like how do I amend this constitution I think that's really really important to do as well we've covered quite a bit here today Brennan I'm going to say something that's probably I'm going to regret but if anyone does have a dynasty league and they have a constitutional rules and they want me to have a look over it email it to me redrockfantasybasketball.gmail.com and I can tell you if there's something I think is wrong or missing or, or problems in that and I'll have a look at it and I'll probably regret it but maybe I'll have, I'll have a look at a few of those if you want to send them through and of course Brendan give us a plug again for FBI how do they how do they join how do they how do they look at what you guys have got going because I'm going to be promoting you guys for redraft leagues as well as dynasty leagues I'm going to drop a link here but just tell us again how do they how can they find it and uh, and what what can we expect uh, so we've got um, we've got a discord server um, we've 
done the migration from Slack to Discord like you did last yep. season so that we can house more people. A um, little bit difficult to find on its own. The easiest way to find us is to navigate to my Twitter page, which is at Hidden Upside. The pinned tweet is a link to the form to apply for membership this season. Everybody that applies um, is able to come in. You'll get an email from me, you know, within a few days with a link to the Discord server. You jump in there. We've got some channels where we've got league openings and various other things. So just, um, yeah, have a look around and make yourself at home. Just ping either myself or or Matt um, in the Discord server if you have any questions. Or you can just um, dump them in the general chat, to be honest. Um, there's quite a few um, really solid members that would be able to help um, answer any questions. Um, but that would be the best way to go about it. And then in terms of what we're going to be offering this year, we've gonna, we're going to have all the normal redraft leagues. So um, we'll have head-to-head, eight-cat and nine-cat. Um, that'll be the two most um, predominant league types along with Roto. Um, and then we will have some points leagues, but that would just be a couple token ones. Um, we've got quite a number of dynasty leagues, um, both um, season long and draft only dynasty leagues that are, we're recruiting managers for now. Um, we'll have a few startup dynasties this year. Normally we try and keep it to half a dozen, but it ends up being a dozen or more. So there'll be plenty of opportunities there. Um, there's not a massive rush to get in, but I think the quicker you're in and familiarizing yourself with the environment and um, the way everything works, you'll be in the driver's seat to jump into the leagues that you want to be in. Um, when they're released, um, what we find is we we release slightly fewer leagues than what there is demand for, um, usually. Um, so yeah, jump over to Twitter, have a look at um, at Hidden Upside, have a look at NBA Dynasty ADP. That's Matt's um, Twitter handle. You'll see the join form twi- um, pinned to our um, Twitter profiles. Yeah, go and do that. I think you know. I think you might actually get me joining into one of these draft-only dynasty leagues. I don't really have a ton of time during the season, but maybe maybe a draft-only dynasty league might be something I can uh, get into this year. So uh, maybe you'll see my application come through, Brendan. Thank you for joining me here today uh, to talk dynasty leagues. It's been great having you to talk about. That. And if you have any other questions about dynasty leagues, drop them in the comments on the video below, and we can uh, try and answer them. And I'll get in and answer them. And Brendan might ch- jump into the video as well and have a bit of a look and see if there's any questions there. We're going to be doing some more dynasty stuff today about some dynasty ADPs and values of players across Dynasty League. So stay tuned for that one. Brendan, thanks for coming on today. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me. All right, so that'll do it for today's show. Brendan is out. Don't forget, there is the link down in the description or in the show notes if you're listening audio to go and join one of these leagues, whether it's a Dynasty League or a Redraft League. You put your application into FBI. These guys have got so many leagues and things are going to get even more crazy this year. If you do have any specific questions about Dynasty Leagues and setups, drop them in the comments below and I'll do my best to answer them. But also follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Odyssey, on YouTube, thumbs up. Leave a comment, subscribe. Guys, we're done. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.